0: Go ahead and make it turn 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 that's what he does the man from greenville is a winner in greensboro
1: Eddie won!
2: Eddie won! Eddie
1: won! this is a bullet that is dangerous up the left side gary whoa whoa whoa,
0: whoa. and it tumbles in a chance oh singe the edge and lucas glover goes back to back including the opening leg of the fedex cup playoffs one for the old guys
1: One for the old guys, actually. A couple for the uh, for the old guys. Lucas Glover is the uh, the big story in the golf world at this particular moment in time. Back to back victories, and I don't know that anybody necessarily saw that coming, but uh, sure enough, Lucas Glover wins the Windham Championship, turns around, and uh, it would have been easy. To be fat and happy, Mr. Glover was not. He turns around, backs it up with a FedEx Cup uh, playoff victory in the FedEx St. Jude Championship. One for the old guys. What do you think, Brian?
2: Love it. One for the old guys. Because I am an old guy, Josh. That's why I love it. But you hit the nail on the head. Nobody saw this coming. Lucas Glover, 43 years old has really, really struggled. He's had some injuries. You know, he won the U.S. Open back in 2009, which most people probably forget, and then years later got bounced back to what was then the Nationwide Tour and had to to re-earn his tour card. So this is a guy that has won six tournaments as a PGA Tour professional, and two of them this year who saw that coming? Do you see that
1: coming, Josh? No, I, I did not see this coming. And, you know, listening to one Lucas Glover, I don't know that necessarily he saw this coming. Here was uh, Lucas Glover in the media room, uh, immediately after, of course, uh, his most recent victory at the FedEx St. Jude.
0: Where would you like me to start? <laughs> um, it was very similar to yesterday. I was fighting, uh, fighting my golf swing a little bit, but short game bailed me out, especially my putting. Um, got to a point there, middle of the back nine, where it was just kind of survive um, and uh, try to give myself as many chances as I could coming in. Um, did a good job of that, but uh, only made one. Uh, nice up and down on 17, obviously to to stay in the tie with Patrick, um, which I was uh, knew, knew what was going on ahead. So, uh, um couple big big putts on uh, 13 14 one for par one for bogey that uh that kept us in the game for sure
2: with that we'll open it up to questions we'll start with here doug in the front
0: row a couple things lucas is it uh, i mean if you think back to where you were two three months ago is this is this at all hard to believe i know you've been through the process but i'm shocked yeah um yeah i mean if you'd have told me this three months ago i'd tell you you're crazy. But uh, at the same time, if you asked me legitimately, did I think I was capable? I'd say yes. And even then, um, just one of those sad ways athletes are wired. We always believe in ourselves no matter how bad it is. And uh, um, you know, I never never gave that up. But uh, yeah, like middle of May, it was it was it was hard to it was hard to go to the range some some days and hard to work, but we, we pushed through and did it anyway. Secondly, how would you how would you describe the the pressure you felt um, coming down from the last back nine in the playoff compared with last week trying to win? Um, I'd, I'd say they were pretty equal. Um, I was firing on all cylinders last week just kind of hitting it where I was looking with the exception of Par five after the restart, but today it was um, it was just it was a fight. It was a it was a, a physical fight. I was fighting fighting my swing and wasn't hitting it great, but uh, my short game was there, and that's the only reason I'm sitting here now is my my chipping and putting yesterday and today. But pressure wise, um, I'd say on par with last week, but just different. Last week was um, more trying to win this week was more trying to, to survive and, and, and just stay in the game and, and see if something good happened because uh, um, I wasn't able to force anything because I wasn't hitting it, hitting it my best.
1: So there you go. A little bit from one Lucas Glover who is uh, victorious in back-to-back weeks. You know, let's let's hear this too. Afterwards, uh, this is immediately afterwards, and some of the same thoughts, but immediately afterwards Bryant talking with Amanda Ballionis who asked uh, you know, questions I think that many people were wondering.
0: So if I would have told you at the beginning of June you'd win in back to back weeks, including the first FedEx Cup playoff event, thanks in large part to your putting. Mm. What would you have told me? I'd have hired you a therapist. <laughs> um no uh you know you, you work hard no matter what um, whether you're fighting something or or uh, or you're you're playing great you just work hard because uh, you never know when it can turn and uh, it's turned uh, very quickly for me and and uh luckily been in a good frame of mind to take advantage of it no one would have blamed you if you would have come in this week totally mentally drained and you also had a fight on 13 when you thought maybe that ball was embedded you find water on 14 make that huge bogey putt what were you telling yourself to not play yourself out of something and no one would have blamed you if you did yeah yeah it was just keep fighting keep fighting um closing holes here aren't uh aren't easy birdies and uh, and and aren't easy pars really um under under pressure so it was just keep fighting stay close stay close and uh i was fortunate to uh to get in the playoff and uh you know i I said yesterday the 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 guns would be coming and they came and uh i was just last man standing this week
1: So this, to me, Brian, is the perfect illustration of golf, right? It's somebody that, by his own admission, two, three months ago, he says to Amanda Balionis, hey, if I told you two, three months ago you're going to win back-to-back tournaments, one of which was a playoff event, what would you have said? And he says, I would have told you to get a therapist. I mean, that – but here he is, right? I mean, this is is golf in a nutshell.
2: Well, no, Josh, you have to appreciate his honesty – and appreciate the fact that he is just grinding it out, continues to to stay alive out there on the tour after 40 years of age, which is hard to do. And you know, there's so many great young players. For a guy like this to recover, pull out of a slump, and uh, and get two Ws back to back is unbelievable. And now, Josh, you really have to ask yourself does Zach Johnson need to put him on the Ryder Cup team?
1: Well, what do you think? Because obviously, and I've got a ton of audio to play this morning from Zach Johnson about uh, his, well, just getting to be the captain on the Ryder Cup team and obviously his selection process and big decisions that need to be made. But uh, you, you look at what the Ryder Cup team looks like right now, and after this week, the top six they'll be locked in so after the bmw championship second leg of the uh well the final leg here of the uh, fedex cup playoffs before the tour championship they're locked in right now it's scotty scheffler wyndham clark patrick cantlay brian harman brooks kepka max Homa. that's what right now top six close it off that's where we're at right now today and then you've got six captains picks does does glover wind up as one of those six
2: Boy, it's tough, but he's playing well again this week. I mean, if I'm Zach Johnson, and Zach's a grinder just like Lucas Glover, so you got to think that that he respects Lucas a lot. I've got to pick him way over somebody like JT that they keep talking about getting picked and deserves to be picked. I don't see JT. I, why, why would he get picked? He's playing awful right now. So – I'm going with Lucas Glover. I'm putting him on the team. You know, you, golf is a game that you ride, you know, peaks and valleys. And the guy's on a hot streak right now. I'm putting him on my team.
1: Like you said, I mean, playing well again this week. He's 13th right now as uh, on the leaderboard as we start the day. And uh, obviously, in terms of the FedEx Cup, He's, uh, he's number five uh, currently, started this week number four in the FedEx Cup standings and uh, currently number five, but uh, he's 13th again on the board this week and three under par for the tournament after uh, his 67 on Friday. So I'm going to say that I don't think he's one of the captain's picks, but having said that, I mean, obviously, you know, the form right now is really, really good, and I don't know how much – pushback zach johnson would necessarily get if he had lucas glover as a captain's pick
2: well let me ask you this right now who's a safer pick for zach johnson jt or lucas
1: glover safer pick in terms of the right if they don't play
2: well do you get more who would you get back more backlash
1: you know, I think it's Lucas Glover. I do, because I think that he'd get crushed over, you got caught up over two weeks or three weeks time versus an extended track record over X amount of years here recently, right? But you could make the reverse argument about Justin Thomas.
2: I hear you. I th- See, to me, if I'm Zach Johnson, I think Lucas Glover's a safer pick because if he plays bad, you can say, hey, he was super hot coming into this, and I chose him over Justin Thomas maybe for that last spot. Let's just say that in this scenario because Justin Thomas is really playing poorly. I know historically he's been a great player, but he's been really playing poorly over the basically the entire 2023 season.
1: I'm with you, and if it's for the final spot, and honestly, Lucas Glover, if, uh, if he – is a captain's pick just because somebody's on the team doesn't mean that all of a sudden they're, you know, involved in a bunch of the Ryder cup. Right. I mean, it could be, you know, singles and, and, and that's about it.
2: Oh, for sure. Right. You know, and you get, uh, you know, you've got to be paired up with the right other person for the different formats. And so you have to really think about that in the Ryder cup as well. So, The other guy that's kind of on the outside looking in that's really playing well, Ricky Fowler.
1: He's a name that uh, you'd have to think just the way this season has gone. He's merited some serious, serious discussion. And again, playing well this week, Brian, which has to be uh, a... a Key component, I would think. I want to dive into that after we take an opening, T.O. Just real quick, while we're on the Lucas Glover subject, and you mentioned this earlier, Beth Page Black, do you remember the 2009 U.S. Open all- all that well i mean you know sometimes you know the years run together and all of a sudden there's a bunch of major championships that have been played but do you remember much about this u.s open that lucas glover won
2: no i would have to go back you know like you said the years do run together and that's been you know 14 years ago so you know it's a tough golf course right it was a wicked challenge for people so to win you know to win at beth page is 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 quite an achievement
1: it's uh it's kind of wild looking at this leaderboard. So Lucas Glover won it by a couple of strokes over Ricky Barnes who uh went into the final round in great shape, 8 under par at a US Open and guess what? The final day he shoots 6 over. Ricky Barnes did. And actually Lucas Glover for his own his own part shot 3 over as well, but uh, they, those guys were just I guess so yeah, far do- out in front.
2: I do remember that the, the last round uh, there was the you know a bunch of people backtracking so the course played really hard
1: that day. Well and how about this for the the rest of what the leaderboard wound up as Phil Mickelson Tied second with David Duvall. They were two under par. Tiger Woods, uh, even par. Got off to a bad start. He was four over in day one and then just kind of scrambling the rest of the way. Hendrick Stinson was a name that was uh, toward the top of the board at one over par. Sergio Garcia was two uh, over par. So just kind of interesting to look back at that 2009 U.S. Open that Lucas Glover won. The, uh, the captain's picks. Do, do you have your final six in your mind set and how much is just this final this final week here at the bmw championship how much does it factor in let's dial into that next it's the gimme zone underway here with you good morning by the way everybody hope you're having a great uh, saturday so far taking a to back with you next right here it's the gimme zone on the wrap. with you it's the gimme zone right here on the ref morning everybody great to be with you josh elmer alongside brian vineyard talking a little golf this morning if you want to dial into uh us you can do that 405-329-9000 is the riverwind casino jackpot line always and of course uh knipple chevrolet text line we'd love to hear from you there as well 405-651-3439 so uh, obviously the uh, buzz the last couple of weeks in the world of golf has been Lucas Glover, the 43-year-old. He'll be 44 in November, uh, turning back the clock, winning uh, back-to-back weeks at the Wyndham Championship and at the FedEx St. Jude Classic. And it's got people legitimately asking the question. And look, the form indicates that it it's a reasonable discussion. Should he be a captain's pick should should he legitimately be a Ryder Cup captain's pick what about those uh, other six the the Ryder Cup situation as we enter moving day right now for the Americans top six looks like this Scotty Scheffler Wyndham Clark those two uh, locked in Patrick Cantlay Brian Harmon Brooks Kepka, Max Homa there's your your six right now the captain's pick y- you got six of those is there, and you teased it before the break. I, to me, I'd be I'd be very surprised if Ricky Fowler's not on this team, Brian. What say you?
2: You know, I I would too. As you look at this, obviously, Kepka is not going to be getting any more points this week. So you do potentially have the possibility, right, of Xander Shoffley. You know, Max Holm is, You know, in the lead this week. He's going to get some more points. Could Is there a way that he hops, Brooks Kepke and maybe Xander? Would they take Kepke off the team and not be a captain's pick? But for Ricky Fowler, he's sitting right now at 13th, which is one spot ahead of JT, who is two spots ahead of one Lucas Glover. So in my mind, if I'm picking... I'm still taking Ricky Fowler because I feel like his game is in really good shape right now. And he's a bulldog in these match play events. And so I'm taking him. How about you?
1: I think so too. He's got Ryder cup experience. And that of course is pivotal in, in these types of environments, right? Especially the fact that this is not on, this is on foreign soil. This is not, a United States course, it won't be a pro-American crowd, so somebody that's been there, done that and seen that, I think you you put that at a premium if you're Zach Johnson in this go-around. And then again, he's got the form throughout the course of this season where he's won again, he's been in contention at uh, a couple of majors this season, and oh by the way, he's playing well this week uh, as we start moving day. He's five under par and uh, within striking distance of that, that leaderboard this week at the BMW Championship, so it's not like like he's played good throughout the course of the season, Brian. And all of a sudden, the last several months, now he's hit a couple of stinkers. I mean, he's still playing really, really well. So that, to me, based on the experience, the form all season and the current form, that, to me, seems like it'd be a no-brainer captain's pick.
2: It, and it would be very safe pick, right? It's because of all the experience. And if you look at the standings today, I look at everybody in the top 10 is getting in with the exception of Of Brooks Kefka, if somehow he falls below six, I still wonder whether Zach Johnson's going to put any live guys in if he doesn't have to. What is your thought on that? I just, I, I, something tells me he's not going to do it.
1: Well, how about this? How about a little bit from Zach Johnson? This, uh, by the way, proper credit where proper credit is due. This is from golf.com, and uh, I, I caught this on the YouTube side. The uh, it's called subpar golf subpar is their show on YouTube. It's it's really good with Colt Nost and uh, Drew Stoltz. And they had Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson on just a couple of days ago. And he talked just briefly about, first of all, the players, Brian, that he gets to pick from
3: you're talking the absolute reality of my position and uh i know that's going to be the very difficult side of things but i i've also i mean i know that's what i signed up for i mean that's 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 part of it um the onus goes on me and so i'm gonna make a lot of guys happy appease a lot of guys and i'm gonna make some very upset i have been on both ends of that phone call and you know fortunate i've had opportunity to be on the good end i've also had the opportunity to really you know, let it sink in and, and and be a little distraught and and frustrated when I got the bad call. Now, the bad call is also motivating too. So, I, you know, I I don't know how I don't know who I'm calling yet. Number one and number two, I don't know what it's going to look like. But um, I am so appreciative of the the communication that these guys have had with me, the transparency that they've had. I would hope they say the same uh, coming from myself and certainly our leadership. Uh, but it's going to be hard. It, it, it you know. Going back to what you just said, I mean, there's an ample stable of American studs that we can pick from.
1: So there you go. There's a little bit from Zach Johnson. I thought this part was was interesting as well. This is uh, how much input – will other vice captains get how much input will fellow players get because obviously you know you get the the top six locked in so how much input will those guys have and the vice captains have on the six captains picks
2: final decisions Mm -hmm. you're the guy you're the captain it's your call how Mm -hmm. much input are you getting from the six auto qualifiers from your vice captains like what's the protocol how how much are you taking in
3: you're saying it so i mean it is it's all of that right um my vice captains a lot of wisdom there a lot of experience a lot of knowledge a lot of experience in my seat um heavily rely on them right and uh and and the beauty of it those those guys for the most part even though they're not necessarily playing with us week in week out Stewart is uh they know these young guys because they've they've been around them and they want to be around them there's a reason why those guys are going to go over there to roam with me um so yeah heavily rely on them uh i would say I don't know i don't know if i say more so but the impact the um the perceptions the opinions and the feelings of the six guys that actually make this team is imperative it's crucial and essential so that's th- those that's this is their team and they need to have direct ownership in it and so i i've said it i mean i'm if we win this if the united states wins this it's the 12 guys that won it you know I, I i could argue that if we lose it it could be thrown on me and that's fine i I signed up for it but if we win it i ain't winning it so i need their impact i need their opinions and i need them to voice how they see it coming together in rome as a team and you know i don't i don't know the top six are i know two of them uh scotty scheffler and wyndham clark and i've already communicated with them uh, a fair amount and more will come but um they're bought in they're invested they want it and they they're hungry so you know that's a start
1: so Coming back to the the question, which is, would Zach Johnson add a player from the Live Tour to this Ryder Cup team? For example, if Kepka gets bounced out of those top six, is he going to be comfortable adding Kepka as a captain's pick? And I'm going to say from those remarks right there that, Brian, I agree with you. I'm leaning no. I think that now he says from those remarks right there he's leaning heavily on what the players that qualify what what their input is and if they say hey, it's a big mistake to not have Brooks Kepka on this team then I think Brooks Kepka would be a captain's pick on this team but I I sort of wonder if there's almost that animosity to some degree from the players now I know that we've sat and gone back and forth on this Brian and said okay, sometimes is this maybe a little bit more media driven? And I do think it is right from the PGA Tour players versus live players. And yet, is this something that the PGA Tour guys would would hold over a Brooks Koepka or other guys' heads? I don't know. And if the answer is to if the answer to that is yes, then they're not going to be on this team as a captain's pick.
2: No, I think you're you're to something, and I think that's where you know Zach does have an out if he if somehow Brooks falls out of the top six. But the other thing is, how juicy would it be for Brooks to be on the team and, oh, you just pair him against Rory?
1: How good would that be? From a you and I watching at home? I mean, come on. Please, please do that. That's going to be great.
2: And, you know, I do think, you know, we're talking about this Ryder Cup (laughs) list. I I think you do have a a couple other lip guys that that you could – justifiably say deserve to be on the team. And one is local guy, Taylor Gooch. And the other that I would say, maybe even two more, I would say Bryson DeChambeau is playing great right now. And having, you know, Brooks and Bryson as a team would be pretty salty. The other guy that's played really, really well, based on what he did in the majors, Patrick Reed. And he does have experience and has played well in the Ryder Cup.
1: Patrick Reed, Justin Thomas, given the choice, I'm taking Patrick Reed. I am personally,
2: too, but that will never happen. You know that, right?
1: Oh, I yeah. No, I because, again, for whatever reason, you know, Patrick Reed, and maybe he's just not that great of a guy to be around. I, I don't know him personally. But for whatever reason, it's sort of portrayed like maybe some of these other guys on tour don't like him altogether that much. And yet, you know – Here's somebody that has been a hero in this event and feeds off of it and, and loves being a part of the United States Ryder Cup team and has performed better than admirably in this arena. So and like you said, the the form is good, right? The form this year has been better than Justin Thomas. So for all of those factors, if I'm the if, if I'm in Zach Johnson's shoes. Yeah, I'm more comfortable adding Patrick Reed to this roster than Justin Thomas, but I'm with you. I don't think that's going to happen.
2: Well, I'll give you my personal experience with Patrick Reed is, you know, when I played in the Taylor Gooch Foundation golf tournament earlier this year, Patrick Reed was great. He was great to everybody, and he was great to everybody at the Live event, you know, up in Tulsa. And so, you know, just from what I've seen, he seems like a really good dude. And so. I I can't say anything else. I know people in the past have accused him of cheating and this and that, but the guy's a gamer and has won before. But I think if you look bigger picture in this whole Ryder cup dilemma for Zach Johnson is some of these guys that are going to be automatic qualifiers have either little or no experience as Ryder cuppers. And so does that really put Zach in a position where with the six captains' picks, he really needs to load up on guys with experience, right?
1: Sure. No, I I hear exactly what you're saying. You know, if you've got uh, inexperienced guys that qualify, well, go get some folks that uh, have been in these arenas and in these environments. And again, I keep coming back to it's on foreign soil. So that has to be at a premium, right? If you're Zach Johnson, you have to have guys that have been there, done that.
2: And that, to me, goes right back to your, you know, comments about Ricky Fowler. That's why you need a Ricky Fowler on this team.
1: I've got uh, an interesting question for you to mole as we break. And we'll, we'll hit this on the other side. Is it because there's going to be questions about the formation of this team for the United States one way or another, right? And there always will be. But because of the backdrop to golf the last couple of seasons, I mean, we're sitting here and we're saying, okay, here's a live golfer or there's a live golfer that could really, really help this team and has played great this season, especially in the, the form of a Taylor Gooch. And yet there is a realistic possibility that none of those guys are a part of this team outside of maybe Brooks Kepka just because he's locked into the top six selection. So think about this, okay, because there will be questions asked both overseas once the event's going on and beforehand as well. Is it a bigger distraction for the United States to have zero live golfers on the roster? Or is it a bigger distraction to have a couple of live golfers on the roster? And let's dive into that next. It's the Gimme Zone. Of course, uh, your phone call is always welcome right here on the rep for the Gimme Zone 405-329-9000 is the number to call. It's the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. And the text line open for you as well. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line 405-651-3439. What's the bigger distraction? Loaded question we know coming up next right here on the Gimme Zone. with you it's the gimme zone right here on the ref he ladies and gentlemen is brian vineyard josh helmer hanging out with you as well as always right here well until football season in a couple of weeks this actually by the way i guess uh just from a programming standpoint not a bad idea for us just to say this is our second to last show throughout uh, this gimme zone season you know we're, we're with you. Really from, uh, well, the, the start of the heat of the golf season, you know, a couple months before the Masters, on through, you know, right here to the uh, the FedEx Cup playoffs, and then, uh, you know, right on the uh, very, very cusp of the Ryder Cup or President's Cup in, uh, you know, whichever year it may be. And yet this week and then next week, and then we're, we're handing it off for uh, the guys for Sooner pregame coverage right here on the ref. So just in case anybody's looking for their gimme zone fix, we might be here and there, Brian. Uh, coming your way to a podcast near you with just a standalone Ryder Cup episode or you name it in case something like big and breaking happens in the world of golf. But just want to let everybody know that uh, in case you're like, hey, what what happened? Has the show been canceled? What's going on? That's, uh, that's what's going on uh, going forward with us. So, teased it before the break. Bigger distraction for Zach Johnson, for this Ryder Cup team. If they go zilch, zero nada live tour guys or bigger distraction to try and make all of those pieces work overseas
2: well that's a tough one josh you you know you kind of you circle back in my mind i want some experience on that team with some of these you know because you're going to have a bunch of guys that don't so i'm going to say it's a bigger distraction if you don't put at least brooks kepka on the team I know many, many, include, including Mr. Brandel Chambly, and we need to talk about him too because there's news on him this week. Um, he certainly would say that the bigger distract, distraction would be putting any live player on the team. What are your thoughts?
1: I think it's a bigger distraction to have zero. I, I do because especially if things start getting wobbly overseas and you had a Brooks Kepka right there, or you had a Patrick Reed right there who has the type of Ryder Cup history that uh, obviously he does, you've got a Taylor Gooch that has won as much as anybody else this year worldwide. And if you snub a Taylor Gooch, so to me and Shambo, right, who just shot in the 50s, if, like, none of those guys are a part of this team and things start going rotten, then – to me, yeah, there's going to be people pointing the finger at Zach Johnson asking the question, and they're going to be pointing the finger at these teammates, uh, these players and teammates on the Ryder Cup team saying, hey, did you guys bar these guys out? And I think that that, in a week where, again, it's a different kind of pressure, uh, we hear about just the, the venues of Ryder Cups, and it takes a certain kind of person to sort of thrive on that. We know what Patrick Reed does. If things go south, then you got to answer those types of questions. I don't think that's great for this team.
2: No, and and go one step further and go back to Zach's comments about how he said he's going to refer to the guys, the top six that qualified on input on the other six. Let's just assume that Brooks Koepka is one of the six that auto-qualifies. How does it play out if Brooks Kepka says, hey, we need to put a Bryson DeChambeau or a Taylor Gooch or a Patrick Reed? I mean, to me, those are the only three that legitimately have any kind of argument to be on the team, right? How, would, how does that play out amongst the team? And does that create any dissension if he, you know, is animate that one of those guys needs to be as a captain's pick as well?
1: It's a great question, uh, million-dollar questions, right? Does he basically get uh, v- vetoed of his voting powers with this roster? You would hope not, right?
2: No, I mean, if, if if everybody's a part of the team and allegedly has a say, I would think that they would value his input. I mean, the guy's got a lot of major championships, are trophies already on the uh, on in the trophy case, so I would have to think that you would value his opinion. I don't think they will.
1: Yeah, I, I fear about that, too. It's just one of the interesting angles to this Ryder Cup. What about for the the European side? Is it is it a pretty easy argument for them to say, you know what, no thanks on Sergio Garcia?
2: Me personally, I would say... No, but I think they've already, you know, you've got so many of the influential people on the European side basically saying we don't want any live golfers. But Sergio Garcia is a bulldog in this format. I mean, no Americans raising their hands saying I want to play that guy.
1: Well, and poulter right i mean those two guys uh, y- y- historic figures in this event for the european team the uh, the top six by the way where we're at right now on the european end of the equation is rory McElroy, john rom robert mcintyre victor hovland terrell hatton and tommy fleetwood and the uh quote unquote on the bubble would be paul uh, adrian moronic Matt Fitzpatrick and Sepp Straka. Straka and Fitzpatrick, right? I mean, each of those two definitely going to be on this team for them.
2: They're locks, right? You've got, I mean, especially Fitzpatrick has got to be an absolute lock. And Straka, as well as he's been playing, they would be crazy not to put him on that team, right? He's playing really, really well.
1: Well, and Fitzpatrick, because, uh, you know, won a major championship a year ago, and again, you look at the final Final argument that you're making at the BMW Championship, and guess what? Matt Fitzpatrick might win this event.
2: Yeah, he's right there. You know, I don't think, you know, Lucas Glover has enough firepower to come from seven
1: back, but Matt Fitzpatrick's right there. He could win that thing very easily, right? No doubt, no doubt. we are do a break, come back, and wrap up our number one. This might be, I don't know, this might be a little bit of a wraparound conversation for us. But Brandel Chambly this week, a polarizing figure in the world of golf, has, uh, well, he's made his feelings known on uh, a couple of prominent golfers in the world of golf. We'll share that with you next. It's the Gimme Zone right here. Back with you in a moment on The Wrap.
2: That's great. It starts with an earthquake. Birds and snakes and aeroplane. Lenny and Bruce is not a
1: you, it's the Gibby Zone right here on The rep Josh Elmer, Brian Vineyard. So happy to have you along with us on a Saturday as it is moving day from the BMW Championship. We'll get you caught up on everything going on on the leaderboard and what the, the big storylines are the rest of the way there. Of course, uh, teased it before the break, Brandel Shambly, uh, not, not afraid to be outspoken. Uh, let's see, where do you want to start? He's got... Comments about Phil Mickelson shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, the piece that I think you're interested in, he he's not coming back to the Golf Channel going forward? Yeah, I'm
2: hearing that NBC News, it was reported it will not be renewing his contract. And so, you know, he really boxed himself into a corner on, on being so polarized on this Live versus PGA Tour. And as the PGA Tour tries to find a happy median with live to go forward it really makes him look bad and all the while he's you know gone after these golfers about just leaving for the money they're leaving for the money well the rumor out there is that mr Shambly asked for a 3x pay raise and then nbc basically said yeah i just don't think we're gonna renew you so it's a little bit of hypocritical critical you know behavior by mr Shambly, who's tried to come off as holier than thou in this whole live versus pga Tour.
1: boy that's a that's a tough road to walk isn't it when you're sitting there trashing a bunch of these golfers for the decision to go to the live over obviously uh you know pay being a big component of it not the only component you know the the uh we we've talked about it before the less rigorous scheduling demands of the live tour. We know was attractive to golfers. The shotgun start. I mean, there's parts of the format that were attractive too, but let's not kid ourselves, right? The, the guaranteed cash, no doubt, no, no doubt was a piece of the puzzle for a lot of these guys. And so when you're Chamblee and you're trashing these guys for making that decision and then you're in the midst of a and hey, to everybody, get your money right as far as where I'm sitting. But when you're sitting there trying to negotiate for three times money, tough to go make those comments on TV, is it not?
2: I would think so. But, you know, there's many folks out there in this world that say one thing and do another. And uh, it appears that that might be part of Brandel's makeup. And uh, I'm really going to miss him really going to miss him i think he's awful you know i think he's absolutely one of the worst out there and so it, it, i'm hoping that the the reports are accurate and that he will not be back
1: how about these comments okay quote phil should be talking about mickelson phil should be removed from the hall of fame i don't think he has any business being in the hall of fame he's caused irreparable damage to the game and if the tour's Philanthropic aspect dies. The the autopsy should read live. It should read Phil. Well, you know, that's really strong.
2: Um, Maybe Brandel should step back and think about that the uh, PGA Tour players up until Phil basically orchestrated with Greg Norman for the whole live tour had no say in virtually anything they did. And you had basically a dictatorship with whoever the commissioner was at the time. And obviously it's Jay Monahan now. And we need to get into that too next hour, by the way, as it turns out, Jay Monahan was not really sick. He just needed a mental break because of the stress with the Lib PGA tour negotiations,
1: which is from the land of not very surprising. I don't think at all. And again, I don't want to make light of anybody's health situation because, uh, obviously that's uh that's important but i think that you sort of if you're trying to be a little speculative a little s- skeptical probably that might have uh, entered your mind if you've been following this thing at all by the way uh Brandel Chamblee, do we have any idea when the contract is officially up
2: no i mean we need to dive into that but you know what i find just funny and shocking at the same time is that he wants Phil booted out of the Hall of Fame, right? And this is coming from a guy that has one PGA tour win. One. And one amateur win.
1: He knows how to be a talking head though, right? He uh Yeah it's he's got that part it would be out. like you or me
2: saying that, right? It's like, no, you know, because a guy advance the game in a way that you didn't see fit now you want him kicked out of the hall of fame
1: i could make a pretty strong argument that it's merit for more inclusion <laughs> into the hall of fame uh, you know there's not everybody's just of the mindset that this has been the worst thing ever for the game of golf i think that you know there's been some Serious positives for uh, professional golfers. And, oh, by the way, there's no way you could tell the story of golf without Phil Mickelson. A 45-time PGA Tour winner shouldn't be a Hall of Famer. Get out of here. That's uh, that's absurd. So, it's uh, crazy talk, right? Crazy talk. It is. It's nuts. And, and I, one final thing here on Brandel Chamblee. Is he just going to get more and more crazy as this contract comes to a close? Well,
2: I think if he does, uh, they'll – you know mute him as much as possible and he's getting ready to go into oblivion you know he's gonna be like uh you know when we had coach stoops on a few weeks back and and they were talking about you know a reporter and 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 coach stoops said well nobody even knows who that guy is anyway
1: <laughs> <laughs> just body bagged him
2: <laughs> yes it was a complete body bag you want coach dupe's best moments on, on air
1: yeah that's that's pretty good stuff we're due uh a top of the hour break we'll come back and the jay monahan news that's interesting we'll continue to talk uh Ryder cup the uh the other comment that really caught my attention from zach johnson he said his Ryder cup history had a big effect on his career what was it we'll share it with you next it's the gimme zone our number one of the books right here on the ref. Gibby Zone right here on The rep. Morning, everyone. So happy you're with us as always. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. Again, we call this the Gibby Zone, and we welcome the chance to talk with you as well. The Riverwind Casino Jackpot line, it's all yours, 405-329-9000. If you want to dial us up and chat right here, right now. Myers Chevrolet text line, 405-651-3438. Nine. We've got a ton to still dive into on the Ryder cup captain's picks. Who should they be? And, uh, Zach Johnson had some interesting remarks about his Ryder cup history and, uh, the, the type of impact it had on his career that I, I've never heard anybody say what he said. So I, I thought that was pretty interesting, but you mentioned this last hour. And again, I don't think that this is going to be totally shocking to people that have been following the last two years in the golf world And uh, obviously, for those that are aware that Jay Monahan took the the leave of absence, but this uh, this from last week, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan said that he took a month long leave of absence from his position because of anxiety that resulted in mental and physical health concerns, which required medical care. Monaghan, speaking to a small group of reporters ahead of this week's FedEx St. Jude Championship, said the pressure of negotiating the PGA Tour's surprising alliance with the DP World Tour and the Saudi Arabia's public investment fund and players' reaction to it contributed to his anxiety. Here's uh, one quote for you. Quote, I think the reality for me was that I was dealing with anxiety, which created physical and mental health issues and challenges. And I realized that I needed to step away and to deal with that and understand how to develop the skills to deal with that going forward. To step away at that point in time was very difficult for me, but I needed to take care of myself and my family and ultimately come back here stronger than I've ever been to lead the PGA Tour forward, end quote. So I'll just let you have the floor. What what do you make of all of that?
2: Well, you know, I, I don't want to make light of anybody if they're having a true health situation. But, you know, a lot a lot of the anxiety that he had was, you know, self-induced, right? When you try to do a deal, you know, with the PIF and you really haven't let the players in on it and then you find out that the players are upset and you're somewhat surprised about it. Well, maybe you need to rethink your position. The players have a right to be very upset because they were left out of any of the discussions and if if that piece created anxiety for him how much worse is it going to be going forward when they try to actually get you know all the details hammered out in a deal
1: you know let let's spend a little time on this here just since we're on this subject and maybe next week we do our final where are we at in the world of golf and we're you know totally prepared and educated on just just that right because this is sort of off the cuff and and I apologize for that but where are we in the world of golf right now just generally speaking when when we have this conversation about Monahan is he going to be sticking around long term still have your opinions on any of that changed is this uh merger actually going to happen i mean where are we at
2: well in, in my opinion, and it's just my personal opinion, is that Jay Monahan's not going to survive this. Is that he will be brushed aside at some point, sooner rather than later. And I, I, I do think it's going to be really, really difficult to get a, an actual deal done. But in my My thought is that if they don't get it done, they're going to lose more people to the live going forward. And the PGA tour will not be what it has once been. And so I think the PGA tour has to get a deal done. Otherwise it could get really ugly because as we've discussed, Josh, the, the PIF, they've got unlimited resources essentially, right? You know, our dollars are their pennies
1: money is not a problem for the piff obviously that that's always going to be very very attractive and i feel like we're at the point of no return in this regard the majors aren't boring, live players right and we still are waiting for a little bit more clarity on this front but i think at some point over the next umpteen months and you know toss a, a number at me brian but I think we're going to see some finality to the Live Tour getting World Golf Rankings points or whatever the the methodology looks like there. I think that is not too awfully far away. And so as soon as, again, that piece gets worked out and you've got the reality that I think we're existing in now, which is, the Masters and the U.S. Open and the Open Championship and the PGA, they've made their decision that they want the best golfers in the world, as they should, Brian. So when that's the case, and I think that you're you know, going to have World Golf Rankings points, that uh, these golfers on the lift can acc- accrue, some of the obstacles that may have potentially been there, I don't think are roadblocks going forward.
2: No, I agree with you, Josh. I, I-, I think all of that will happen sometime between the end of the Ryder Cup and the first of the year. I firmly believe that. Because, you know, even though the PGA Tour technically, or their new season technically starts in September, I firmly believe that that much of the groundwork for that being resolved is already done and that, that that's going to happen one way or another with or without a live PGA Tour merger. I think they have to, right? Otherwise, the... the the majors will not get the best players because many of these guys that were eligible for the majors this year with official world golf rankings won't be in next year or two years down the road.
1: So let's say that Jay Monahan, as you and many others have speculated, isn't long for this gig. A couple of tentacles there, which number one would be, okay, well, who takes the gig over right but uh the other part of that is number two how is he remembered and you know normally chronological order you start with number one and then get to number two but let's let's jump into door number two first how will jay monahan be remembered and is it totally tied to whether or not this merger happens
2: well um i i I think he's gonna not be remembered fondly no matter what happens but i think it could be remembered even more poorly if the merger doesn't happen and this continued defection to the live tour grows right and the pga tour really gets hurt more financially so i think that is you know where jay's really got to figure it out he's backed into a corner but, I, you know, you and I talked about this several months back. I personally would not be shocked if, one, Tiger Woods is your next commissioner. Notice that he is already on that executive committee.
1: And, and are you taking that as, hey, this is step one to the end game of Tiger Woods? Yes. Taking over. And really – it would be, I think, well received by the players, right? And for Tiger Woods, just individually for him, it could be, you know, the the golf history is great, right? You know, fifteen major championships, all of the uh, the wins, and right there with Snead and Nicholas, you name it. But the off the off the course dilemmas over the course of Tiger Woods' career, well documented. Could that be redeeming to some degree for Tiger Woods if he takes over for Monaghan and uh, bridges this gap? I like the, the Bill Snyder phrase when he came back to Kansas State. I'm back to calm the waters. If Tiger Woods is that guy to, quote, unquote, calm the waters, could that be a redeeming quality for him for, I don't know, some golf fans that want to hold his personal history against him?
2: Well, I think it does two things, Josh. One, he really wants to be tied into the game going forward. And I think that his body has told him that he can't do that as a player. And so then you look for other ways to contribute, whether that's as a Ryder Cup captain or as, it, as the commissioner. And two, yeah, I think it does kind of make, you know, if he comes in as commissioner and and guides the ship through this merger or agreement or whatever you want to call it, and it works out very well for golf, he can look like a hero. And what it kind of does, in my opinion, is it ushers in the era of now the players have more control over their own tour versus what has historically been much more of a dictatorship. And makes it much more like other professional sports and other professional athletes where they get a large say, or if not, the balance of power is in their in their side.
1: And that's why, again, you know, dip it back into last hour's Brandel Chamblee conversation. It's so ridiculous to think about somebody like Phil Mickelson and you want to strip them of their hall of fame history. If anything, I think that it adds to his hall of fame history, how he's uh, ushered in some of these changes in the world of golf and tiger woods, again, could be another piece of that equation to usher in a, a more player led future for the game of golf, which I think, you know, You look at it, you look at the NBA, the National Football League, and not that they have collectively bargained everything great, Brian. They haven't. There's uh, been some big swings and misses, no pun intended, across uh, Major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, the National Football League, but players have the – they've got their unions, right? They've got a little bit of serious input and some control, and golf really hasn't had that, though it feels, it looks like, we're kind of already headed that direction. And Tiger Woods would be a no-duh, slam-dunk choice. I I can't imagine, in terms of the guys on tour, he wouldn't have any opposition there in terms of being uh, the next commissioner. No,
2: I think they would really rally behind him. And for a, if a Tiger could step in and say, hey, guys, we're all going to work together and I'm going to lead this because I am the most powerful figure in golf still.
1: And he is. Zach Johnson said some interesting things not not even related to okay is he going to put I don't know a Justin Thomas on the team though we'll share that with you next as well but just uh some interesting remarks about what the Ryder Cup has meant to his career personally which again I, I said this earlier in the program but if you're just joining us I've never heard uh you know um I don't think a player on the Ryder cup team or uh certainly not a vice captain or a captain say what uh zach johnson said so i thought it was pretty intriguing we'll share it with you next taking a timeout to start hour number two we got plenty of time for you though out there give us a call 405-329-9000 riverwind casino jackpot line knipple meyer chevrolet text line 405-651-3439 hour number two rolls on next it's the gimme zone after this <laughs> Well, well, we opened talking a little Lucas Glover with you this morning. Back-to-back victories at the Wyndham Championship and at the FedEx St. Jude. And there's people out there having the conversation. Well, should Lucas Glover be a captain's pick? Six captain's picks to be had. The other conversation, total opposite of that would be, okay, here's somebody that uh, we know is a major championship golfer, two-time major championship winner, uh, has been great in the Ryder Cup, in the President's Cup, and yet Justin Thomas has a stunk this year on the course. And uh, we've been sharing these remarks with you all morning long from Ryder Cup captain Zach Johnson, who joined uh, a broadcast the other day. It was uh, via golf.com. It was golf's subpar with uh, Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. And anyways, here was Zach Johnson answering the question that uh, many are asking about, wait a second, does uh, Justin Thomas, even though it's been ugly, even though it's been bad, does he have a chance on this team as a captain's pick but one of the guys that you know is the one who's debated about the most being mm. on this team being a, a captain selection had a, had a tough year this year mm. but he's an absolute stud every time he puts on the red white and blue and that's justin thomas mm-hmm. uh, i believe 16 5 and 3 between Ryder cup and president's cup what have your conversations been with like them i know it like it hurts him more than anyone no that question. he didn't get it done and automatically no qualify no
3: question i mean
1: good friend of yours
3: very good friend of mine as well um You know, when when you have somebody of that talent and and obviously that high of character, you don't you don't want to see him struggle. I mean, that's 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 what I don't. I mean, forget about the cup. I just want him to play good golf. And uh, you know, and when JT plays good, it's good for everybody too. You know, I mean, he's he is one of our uh, you know certainly uh, assets on the PGA tour. Um, So yeah, we we've we've been communicating. I, I I've kept. I would hope that he understands and he does, uh, you know, that open lines, you know, we're going to be, we're going to keep the honesty train going. We're going to be, we're going to leave it all out there. And, and, and I told him, I'm like, I, I don't know what's in store, but obviously he's still in consideration. He's of course he's, he's, <laughs> he's been a part of team USA since 2017. Um, guys want to be around him. He's great in the locker room. And obviously what he's done inside the ropes and these cups has been well documented. So his rec- resume speaks for itself. Um, you know, but at the same time, I've also got to you know look at all the other factors involved, right? Whether you're talking about the golf course, horses for courses, that kind of thing. We're still kind of getting into that with the stats and all that data crunching, and then you got to look at form too. So, um, a lot of nuance, a lot of a lot of uh, heavy weighted topics. Uh, but he knows that um, he can call me anytime. Um, and and we can have an open line of communication. So he's he's been fantastic. Um, so was everybody else. And, and and you know the guys that are kind of on the outside looking in, meaning not really in the top six, have have been spectacular. And I think it speaks to the volumes of the class and character of these guys. They're like, we know Zach has a hard yeah. job, and and, yep. and 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 they get that. And and I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, right after they say that, like, oh, but I want to play on that team, and I want to play for him, <laughs> fully knowing that, you know what, I'll probably be on my couch cheering them on if they're not. Yeah. And I've said the same thing back in the day. Um, if you've been a part of one Ryder Cup, to any capacity, you're a part of Team USA Ryder Cup. So uh, I would love to take about 30 guys with me. Unfortunately, I'm only taking 12.
1: So a lot, obviously, to dissect right there. And... I'm going to start with this, Just, and this is just my personal opinion, listening to those comments first about Justin Thomas. And, of course, he says, hey, I'd love to take everybody, but, you know, can't do that. And, obviously, the folks that would maybe be on the, you know, first 6, 10, 12, however many looking out, they're all, hey, make the right decision for Team USA. I don't think he's taking Justin Thomas based on those remarks right there. Do you agree or disagree?
2: I'm gonna give you the Lee Corso. Not so fast, I, I, boy. Hearing those to me makes me think he's taking him. The high character, all that, hit, spitting out his record. I mean, his record's pretty salty. I think he's taking him. I, I, I don't think he deserves to go based on his play, but I think he's taking him.
1: Yeah, I. I... The second part where he said, "But you know, there's a lot of other factors considered." That's what made me think. I don't, I don't, I don't know that he's taking him. That's maybe him no. saying that he's aware that you know, look, he's just not playing well enough right now.
2: I, I you know, I see your view on it for sure, where where you can interpret that way, and maybe you know, it's just you know, gut feeling on my part. But boy, if he takes him, he doesn't play well. He is going to be open, and we lose. It could, uh, he'd be open to a lot of criticism, won't he?
1: No doubt, especially, I guess, really, any, any way you slice it if they lose, right? Uh, and it coincides with Justin Thomas being selected and he plays poorly. But if they lose, he plays poorly, and it's close, Brian. Oh, man, then people are going to be crushing him for the decision.
2: Oh yeah, it would be it would be ugly. It would just be you know one of those situations you don't want to be in if you're the if you're the captain because it, you know obviously those guys anytime America doesn't win they get criticized you know sometimes very unfairly because quite frankly many of the times we've lost we didn't want to believe it here Europe just had the better team.
1: You know something else struck me in those remarks too. And, you know, I I, I don't – I'm not going to treat it as gospel, and I, I don't even think I believe it, but he said we're just getting into the course crunching, as in how these guys fit this course. If that's, if that's tr- to be believed, then we got no chance in this Ryder Cup. There's, that can't be the case. And he said, you know, earlier, uh, well, you know, haven't really gotten into the figuring out who the six captains' picks would be. Th- that can't be the case on either front, right?
2: No, I, I don't buy that. I my my gut is that he's got him um, he's got at least four or five of Marty locked up in his mind unless something extraordinary happens this week, you know, to change his mind.
1: How about this? Uh, I thought this was this is a comment I've been teasing. I've never heard a Ryder Cup captain or player or anybody say this about their Ryder Cup experience, but here was Zach Johnson. You won the Masters, Augusta National. You won the Open Championship at St. Andrews. Like, for you, five times you teed up, teed it up for the red, white, and blue in the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. How different are the nerves there versus, say, Sunday first tee at Augusta? I, I will say,
3: if it wasn't for my Ryder Cups, I'm not so sure I would have the resume I have. Really? If that, if that makes sense. I mean, my first – I got to think about this. My first Ryder Cup um, at the time, I think I had one victory on the PGA Tour. Okay, which was my rookie year. I did win early, but there was a drought there. Mm-hmm. Still played okay, just couldn't – it's hard to win. I go over to Ireland and uh, represent U.S. the USA in the Ryder Cup for the first time, and, I'm, you know, we, we got thrashed. Um, it was not a great outcome. Um, but, I mean, I remember moments in my game that was like, oh, my gosh, I can actually do this. And those moments, those sh- executing of shots and, th- and that situation only makes you better. And so I, the next year, I'm not suggesting that's why I won, but it's one of the reasons why I felt very comfortable in the arena at Augusta National being in contention. I mean, if you can execute and kind of like – not, well, basically not succumb to the to the weight of it, you're going to be okay. And, um, again, easier said than done.
1: Like I said, I've never heard anybody say that about the Ryder Cup, and I feel I've like I've heard a lot about the Ryder Cup, but I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that – they basically attach a major championship or a couple of major championship victories directly to their Ryder Cup experience.
2: You know, that's an interesting take. Um, and I I have not heard that either, so I'm definitely on on your side with that. I can see how the Ryder Cup in some fashion has more pressure because you're playing for your country. But the flip side of it is every single match you play in, except for the Sunday match, you have a teammate. And so, you, you know, there is an element of having a teammate, you know, to help you if you hit poor shots, right? Or to pick you up in certain formats. Now, you know, some of the formats don't lend it that way. But I, I personally, I would think if, you know, when he's at the masters coming down a man corner that would have an enormous amount of pressure more so in my opinion than the Ryder Cup
1: you would think right I I, I'm with you because it's just you you're on an island and especially in that moment for Zach Johnson because he never won a major championship uh, at that particular juncture of time maybe if you've but even then, you hear somebody like Rory's on this, and, and I get that the longer the drought goes, maybe there's the more pressure that happens, right? But here's somebody that's won four major championships, and uh, he says it's like he's trying to win his first again just because of the pressure of, you know, what winning a major championship is and feels like for a lot of these golfers. So, yeah, it's, it's different, and yet, uh, you know, that's at least an interesting perspective on – just uh, the weight, I guess, of what a Ryder Cup feels like, and, and maybe how it can impact a career. How about a couple of names here: Patrick Cantlay and Max Homa, who each, you know, might be, you know, top six guys on this uh, Ryder Cup team. This experience, I mean, could this be what propels them to major championships?
2: Um, you know, I think Patrick Cantlay's got a lot of game. He's right, right there. Um, I wish he'd play a lot faster, but you know, he's you know, slow as molasses out there on the course. Um, Max Homa, lot of game, young guy. Yeah. I could see if he goes and, and plays very well, that that really gives him, you know, a big boost in confidence that he can play with the best in the world. But I think he already believes that anyway, It's just a matter of getting it done, which as you've discussed about Rory and even Rory said it, it's really hard to do. And, Think about it. Ryder Cup, while it's for the cup and the pride of your country, if you lose it, it's not the same as if you lose at Augusta and, you know, lose your exemptions to come back, you know, and the automatic exemptions for different majors that come along with winning a major. So to me, the pressure, you know, has got to be stronger about winning one of those majors.
1: The BMW Championship, in progress, moving day as we speak. Atop the board, well... One of the names here, more than likely, for this uh, United States Ryder Cup team. Ten under par. It's Max Homa leading the way. There's uh, obviously uh, some other names giving chase. Chris Kirk I would uh, categorize as a surprise right there giving chase. And uh, what about everybody else? And what does it all mean for the Ryder Cup and uh, for the Tour Championship? We'll get into that next Time out. The Gimme Zone rolls on next. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. You're listening to The Gimme Zone right here on The Rev. Mm. Saturday morning with you on The Rev. It's The Gimme Zone. Josh Elmer alongside Brian Vineyard. And we take you to Chicago for the BMW Championship, where obviously. The uh, final leg before the Tour Championship taking place as we speak, and the uh, top 30 qualify for the Tour Championship. You know, one thing before we get into the the leaderboard itself here, Max Homa leading, uh, 10 under par. We'll see if uh, he can lock himself in one of those final top six selections for the, uh, the Ryder cup and avoid the necessity of a captain's pick. And uh, obviously you just go on and win this thing and put himself into the number one slot going into the tour championship. But what did you make Hideki Matsuyama? I guess uh, the back flared up and he withdrew from this thing. That seems notable in the world of golf.
2: Yeah. He's been fighting some injuries over the last few years. So that's something to watch, you know, Yeah, I definitely would watch that
1: because, you know, he was one of those guys rumored to be going to the live. Yeah, we wondered if that would happen. Uh, Obviously, we haven't seen the breaking news there yet. And, uh, you know, this is – it just feels like it's been a couple of injury-riddled seasons for Hideki Matsuyama. Did he – Dustin Johnson – did he win the Masters after Dustin Johnson won it the the COVID year in November? I think
2: that's right. I think that's right, Josh.
1: And then you know, really, you know, ever since then, I, I kind of feel like it's been mostly crickets with Matsuyama. I mean, maybe contending here or there, but uh, he's had a rough go of it of late. the uh, The full leaderboard. Told you, Max Homa, uh, by the way, set, uh, I believe, a course record, right, with his eight under second round?
2: That is correct. That is a an unbelievable round on that golf course.
1: 62 out at uh, Olympia Fields in uh, Illinois. And uh, Max Homa leading 10 under par. He's a couple of strokes clear right now of Chris Kirk, who – uh, that's a little bit of a surprise there sitting uh, next to max homa in the final pairing
2: we well, you know he's played well in in several events this year um and you know he had his struggles off the course that are pretty well documented and has overcome those which is outstanding but he has played well this year just not necessarily won a whole lot but he's he's banked up a lot of money he's been a you know a bunch of top 10s if you go back and look
1: The uh, rest of the top of the board looks like this. Uh, We mentioned it. To me, this is, if there was any doubt, and I don't know why there would have been, if there was any debate in the European camp of the Ryder Cup, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick, you've got to lock him in to a captain's pick he's seven under par for the BMW championship a three under 67 in round two so he's very much in the thick of the things on moving day a recent major champion Brian Harmon right there with Fitzpatrick those two uh right there seven under par Scotty Scheffler is five under par Ricky Fowler again playing well Justin Rose five under par Rory McIlroy is five under Shoffley four under Patrick Cantlay is four under and they in uh, Colin Morikawa, is he making a, a late push here himself for a Riders Cup captain's pick? He's three under par playing well.
2: You know, he's one of those that if he has a really good weekend and moves up the leaderboard and or wins the tournament, you know, he could really lock in his selection, I think.
1: What are the big storylines of this leaderboard, the names that we've shared so far? Is there anything in particular that grabs you?
2: Well, I look at Brian Harmon, you know, because I think a lot of people expected him to be a one-hit wonder, right? And so I would ask you, did winning the Open Championship bolster his confidence to the point that he's going to be a force to be reckoned with going forward?
1: We'll see, right? And uh, I will raise my hand on both Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon in that regard. That uh, I was I was a little bit more. Hey, let's wait and see. These feel like uh, rose up and and took a major championship, maybe ahead of schedule in Wyndham Clark's case, and uh, maybe just kind of one of those weeks in Brian Brian Harmon's case. And yet, for both, I would say the return since very very positive, Brian.
2: No, they both played well, at, you know, outside of their their major championships, and and I think that's great for the game of golf is to build some more depth, you know, with some of these young players that not everybody understands how how good their game is, and you know, Wyndham Clark has has battled some struggles off the off the course as well, and you know, with with family and and so I think it's really good to see these guys playing well and and not have the tour just rely on you know, the Rory's and, uh, you know, some of those guys that have been around for a long time, have some, some fresh blood as we say.
1: So another name that catches my attention, you know, locked into the the Ryder cup. Uh, He's been great all season though. The putter. Yeah. We've talked a lot about that. Can't totally get that piece figured out. Otherwise, who knows? He might've won three major championships uh, this season, but he got, he got none. Right. And we started this year talking about a big three in golf of John Rahm, of Rory McIlroy and of Scotty Scheffler and of uh of those guys well there's only one of those guys that came away with a major championship and uh that was John Rom right off the bat at the the Masters Scheffler and McIlroy they both strike out and yet here they both are once again you know McIlroy I believe has won a couple of FedEx Cups uh and Scotty Scheffler he's right there is for Scheffler does it do much for him if he you know rallies back wins this week or you know stays right where he's at top five and that would put him right now as we're looking at projections number two going into the tour championship is there anything that uh, he can take from this season as hey i go win a fedex uh tour championship for him or is it strictly hey it's major championships now
2: no i don't think it is yet for scotty i mean he's a great player um but but i think for him it, if he could really play well the next two weeks and play well in the Ryder Cup, which would also mean that he's overcome some of his putting woes. I think that would really change his thought process on this season. And as we've talked about with Rory, majors are really hard to win. So I don't think Scotty's at that point where it's just majors or bust. I I, just – I don't think he's there yet.
1: Well, and – You know, McElroy in that regard is kind of interesting because, again, there's been instances uh, where goes another year, doesn't win a major championship, but turns around and plays great, right, and goes and wins a tour championship. So I kind of feel like in some way, shape, or form there could be a parallel to be drawn there between a McElroy and a Scheffler. And certainly for McElroy, I mean, it's almost – I mean, look, yeah, it's great to win the the FedEx – cup and the tour championship, but, uh, for McElroy, it's, it's gotta be majors or bust for him, right?
2: You know, I'm not sure it is in his own mind, but I think from the fans perspective and from the media's perspective, it certainly is, you know, I think Rory's one of those guys that as long as he's playing well, he's content and he knows that winning those things are tough. Yeah. He wants to win them. You know, and I think that's his ultimate goal, but I don't think he is going to judge himself solely by winning more majors.
1: The final several captains picks for the Americans. Obviously, you and I both feel that Zach Johnson probably, though he was trying to say in a in a podcast with subpar that, you know what, I, I have it. Haven't totally ironed out, probably haven't even spent a ton of time thinking about these captain's picks and finalizing them yet. you and I sort of uh we're we're not buying that for a second. We think that probably he's he's looking at spots eleven and twelve or you know ten uh 10, 11, 12 for the most part. He's looking at the final few to iron out. I would think he's probably locked in several captain's picks in his own mind. so with that that in play here, who could really? Finalize or bolster their case. Moving day today and beyond these next couple of days at the BMW Championship. Again, this is uh, the final week, right, for these uh, top six to get locked in, and then of course you got a Tour Championship. So who has the most to gain here?
2: Well, in my mind, it's two players: it's Ricky Fowler and Colin Morikawa, because I would think he's going to take Ricky Fowler before Colin at this point. So I think Colin needs to play well on the weekend.
1: And if he, he comes back and wins this thing, okay, well then, you know, maybe in terms of those guys, you just take both, right, and you feel pretty good about taking both, and it removes a little doubt for you. How about this? Is there, outside of just the the obvious, which would be, okay, all of a sudden he wins back-to-back-to-back to back to back events, and he goes crazy this weekend and wins, for Lucas Glover, is there somewhere on the board that could lock him in as a captain's pick? Or or no?
2: Well, if he wins the event, he's locked in, I think. And I and I really think, you know, he has a chance if he plays well this weekend to lock himself in. It's going to be hard for Zach Johnson to pass. Let's just say that he gets a top five this weekend.
1: How do you pass him up? It would Maybe be, the hottest
2: player going right now.
1: Absolutely. It would be tough to make an argument against. You know, I mean, back-to-back wins and then another top five? Yeah, that would be that would be tough to ignore. I think you and I, I mean, probably most everybody's this way. Jordan Spieth, we're locking in, right?
2: Yeah. Let me give you one little known fact about Lucas Glover. Won the Oklahoma Open right here. That oak tree.
1: Is that right?
2: How cool is that?
1: That's that. Well, now he's got to be a captain's pick, right? I mean, That's right. That settles it. You
2: know, yeah. No. I. I. You know. Yeah, and I think Xander Shopley's getting picked too, for sure.
1: Just uh, based on talent alone, and then again, yep. you know, he's top ten right now in this tournament.
2: Yep. He's been playing well. He hasn't won a lot, but he's he's been you know, a lot of top 20s. So I think he's in.
1: Well, we, uh, we will have the top six finalized after this BMW championship this weekend. And then uh, we'll dive headlong into the, the captain's picks again next week. You know, one thing, uh, one thing we need to do, I think in our final scheduled show next week is just what, what happened this year, right? What, what did we learn this year? A full year in review, for uh for golf just break down the major champions you name it and obviously there'll be uh, plenty of Ryder Cup conversation as well but we'll do one final timeout we'll come back and bow tie this thing next it's the gimme zone on the ref